Okay, uh, my name is Isaac, by the way, and this is Carter. And today we have a special guest who is going to be conversing with us over Proverbs chapter one. If you'd like to introduce yourself, David. Yeah, my name is David Dewar. Um, I've been at Otter Creek 16 years. I think that's right, 15, 16 years. Um, yeah, it's been So, David, what brought you? and Dia to Otter Creek? Well, I came first. Okay. So Dia, Dia, uh, Dia was not... David brought Dia. Tom. Yes, David, David brought Dia. Dia. Uh, so I moved in 2007 um, to uh, start a new journey. I thought I wanted to be a chef, so I went to culinary school. I quickly learned I did not want to be a chef. Um, but I came here to Nashville to start something new. And Otter Creek was a place where I felt, um, at the time, I was single, going back to school, had very few friends, and they had a strong singles program of people who I felt connected with, um, and I didn't feel like I had to um, be the strong person. Like I had been. Uh, in a season where I needed to be served as opposed to, in, in a season where I needed to be fed as opposed to serving. And so Otter Creek had that. So I came to Otter Creek and then Dia joined me a few years later. Okay. What um, sort of roles in ministries have you been involved in and what current roles in ministries are you involved in right now? Let's see. I have served in the coffee ministry. Um, before it was cool. The coffee ministry, is that like you? Down, so downstairs, downstairs, so downstairs okay. so uh, I'm not even sure if anyone here uh, remembers what, well maybe Charlie uh, uh, remembers what it was like before they expanded the gathering room, but it was a very small area and um, they uh, had a very small area for coffee. And so did that. Um, so I helped with that for a while. I. Um, heavily involved with Living Water Project. So Living Water Project is a, in fact, I'm on the board now, um, back in the day, Living Water Project had a yard sale um, every year around this time, actually, where people of Otter Creek would donate items, AKA junk, um, and we would then sell it, and all that profit, all that money would go towards water wells. Um, and so it was a two to three week affair of planning, gathering items. Um, the entire week before was every single night was driving out to people's houses to get stuff to bring back to the gym. Um, then all day Saturday. And then we, we were good if we were leaving the gym by two or three. Um, it was a long day. Um, let's see, I have, as I said, I'm not on the board for that. We have replaced that with a uh, a meal and asking for money. It's much less stress um, and more more cost. I mean, more money to um, the charity. I'm also a deacon. Um, I work with the college students right now, um, with the college student ministry, and I have I'm trying to think what else I have done. Um, I think that's about all. I, I mean, I love, I'm very passionate about college and young adults. Um, 
I was I grew up going to church however I didn't really find my faith until I was in college I went to Auburn University they had a strong campus ministry there and um, I found my faith there and it, um, it encouraged me to always take care of those in college and young adults because I believe that that time period is some of the hardest that I have experienced in my life of going where everything's kind of catered for you to all of a sudden you have to figure out everything like where do I find a dentist where do I find a doctor how do I know you know what grocery stores to go to you know all, all those things that you have to make as an adult that don't feel huge but the culmination of them feel very huge right and that I mean that idea kind of feeds into the the heart behind this class which is like you know like when you leave you know your family home or you go to college the information that is fed to you is not truncated anymore the, the gates just kind of fling open and like you know we've talked already in here about how many sources there are for knowledge and wisdom right and so like it, it's cool to hear that like you like you're paying attention to um, kind of that need like filling that need for college students and young adults of like helping them like find where their identity is helping them find where to look um, I think that's cool right yeah can we go ahead and jump in we can mm-hmm. so we're gonna that dovetails perfectly into something I uh, absolutely right. we'll then do it. yeah so I asked David Carter and I asked David to come in and share his reading of Proverbs 1, his experience, um, his journey with wisdom, and we're just gonna, it's gonna be a sort of a conversation. And if anyone wants to jump in and say anything or ask anything, feel free to. So one of the things that immediately jumped out at me, and this is kind of parallels with what Carter was just saying, is the, um, the wisdom that you receive from your parents versus what you start dealing with real life. Um, not that your parents are wrong, but uh, wisdom in reality kind of shape. And it, what there was a tension as I was reading this chapter because wisdom, as it's personified as a female, she can kind of be cruel. I mean, there's a there's a section where it says. Um, in verse 26 uh, I meaning wisdom will also laugh at your calamity wisdom will mock when you pan- when panic strikes you and that that just feels harsh um, and so but going earlier up into verse 8 it says hear my child your father's instructions and do not reject your mother's teaching for they are a fair garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Um, the past couple of years I have been in counseling and one of the things that kind of, it was a little funny little moment of, I was, I was telling my counselor that growing up my parents had a very kind of strict rule of that my, own, my closest friends should come to people I go to church with. Like that's, you know, and, and I was, kind of expressing how that's not true for me in my life right now like my closest friends do not go to church with me and my counselor said was that wrong is that true for you now and I said I know the answer is no but I'm pretty sure that if I had a kid I would say the exact same thing 
And it was that moment where I realized that the wisdom is, as we said last week, can be very circumstantial based on what you're experiencing. Because there's some things that your father and mother say that should not be a garland on your head. <laughs> but there's other things that they should be. And so it's, it's that discernment of how do you hear the instructions and, how, and what do you reject, what do you not reject. And, and I think that if you pull up and look at you know, what, what they're saying is it's like, be careful who you surround yourself with. And that's exactly the wisdom that my parents were trying to impart on me of notice who you're around. Um, one of the things that we that we learned uh, when I was in, in college, working with college ministry, is that the statistically, the first two to three weeks of a college student's freshman year can dictate so much of how they spend the next four years. The people they enter, the inner, they meet, people who they engage with, people who they. Um, will continue to be friends with. Now, that's not 100% true across the board, but that's generally true. And, and you know, I just think about how often there are people who, you know, go to college and are extremely lonely, and they don't meet those people, and so that can dictate so much of their career because um, they continually feel that way. So it, it's, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic between <coughs> hearing what you know, your parents say and treated it as garland on your head, but also this is as a child, as you grow up, you then can become the parent and you're imparting words. How, how does your wisdom change? Well, something I, did, I wanted to ask you though, um, real quickly is before you went off to college, you, like you mentioned, your parents were your mentors. They were the ones that imparted that you know advice, wisdom to you. But when you arrived, said uh, Auburn, right? What was that like? Your first, your first semester, even or your first week, being surrounded by a whole lot of other people, diverse backgrounds, and then you're in a college class as well. And not everyone grew up the same way you did, or held to the same beliefs that you did, or understood the world in the way you did. How did you process all of that information? How, like, was it hard? Was it easy? Was it scary? Like your, your freshman year of college, like let's start there. Um, I would say, I, I remember specifically the, uh, so I, I, I went to a small Christian college my freshman year. So the first year I went to Auburn, I, um, I remember going to the campus devotional uh, that was there and even though I had already had one year of school under my belt, everyone else there felt so much more wise and smart. Like, they seemed more mature, they seemed more like, oh, these were cool college students, or they knew what was going on. And it, and so at first, I did feel very um, fearful of the fact that I wasn't smart enough, or I didn't know. And it took, I remember the first time that my, this buddy Brad pulled me aside and said, hey, do you know how to play Rook? And I said, yeah. He said, well, let's go play Rook. And so that night, you know, I probably stayed out the longest I'd ever stayed out playing Rook, you know, playing a card game. And it felt like we didn't necessarily talk about a lot of wisdom things, but we definitely, it was a, it was a leveling time of 
I could see that he was just a normal guy, just like I was a normal guy. Yeah. And so I think to, to kind of go back and answer your question, it, for me as a college freshman, sophomore, move, going into a new place, it felt very um, overwhelming mm. because you only have the knowledge that you have. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And going from a very small Christian college to a state school, I, I had to realize that there were people who, especially in classes that I was with, you know, didn't grow up the way I grew up. And um, it, it made me realize how thankful I was that I did grow up the way I did mm. and how um, that I did grow up with parents who taught me, you know, how to be friendly to people, you know, how to, how to make friends. Um, I'm, that is not one of my weaknesses. <laughs> and the hard part is always figuring out which ones you're going to hold on to. Yeah. You know, what your parents taught you and which ones you're going to leave behind or which ones you're going to rethink. Yeah. Did you do a lot of that your first year? Uh, not my first year, but I definitely, okay. I mean, because I made a lot of bad mistakes my first year of, <laughs> of meeting the wrong friends and hanging out with the wrong people. Um, but I think that in of itself was a learning curve. Like, I, you yeah. know, there's... I don't think anywhere in Proverbs or anywhere in our wisdom passages that we're going to study does it say that you're innately born with this wisdom. I think it's all very, you're going to learn this as you grow up, as you experience life. Um, you have to. Like, it's, it's hard to... It's hard to know... Um, it's hard to realize that everyone is figuring this out as you go along um you know we're, we're in proverbs one and it there's so much of it that feels like here it, it's almost like i kind of looked at it as a preamble of proverbs mm-hmm. like this is this is what we're about to dive into this is what we're about to look at um and you have this personified female which i think that in of itself that's very interesting mm-hmm. that in a in such a patriarch place that a female would be used as wisdom, which also makes me question the Old Testament, I mean, the Old Testament guru here, you know, like, you have the gods, like Athena, hmm. who was the god of wisdom, like, how much of that is, is do we see that as well? So. Yeah, it's cross-culture, I mean, it's mm-hmm. Greece, um, uh, Middle East, the Near East, yeah, a bunch of it, I'm not sure why, but... I mean, we uh, Carter showed us the video last Sunday about from the Bible Project, Chokmah, the word for wisdom. Yeah, it's feminine, and every time you see acts of wisdom with like verbal forms, it's always in the uh, feminine, which is interesting too. Um, but go back. I think you asked us all a question. Can you repeat that question? I think before I asked you a question. I don't remember what I okay, said. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> Carter, yes, do you have any? That's <laughs> Well, I think I, I wanted to toss it to the class. Like, we, we were talking about kind of, like, the experience of, of wisdom that is passed down to us from, like, parents or from, like, a, a church community versus, like, you know, that's then put to the test by, like, a lived experience, I guess. 
Um, so I, I'm just curious, like, what, what do y'all do when you encounter, like, wisdom that tends to, like, maybe be in conflict with each other? Like, I heard I'm supposed to have my friends be in the church community, right? I go to college. I encounter my really good friends aren't actually, you know, in the church community, but they are believers and they, they love God. I don't know. I'm like... How do you discern wisdom, like in real time? I guess is what my question is. I think wisdom is kind of experience. So as you make decisions, you just need to work with them. That's kind of in real time. Where you make that that decision would be wise to learn. Maybe don't do that in the future. Make a good decision. That's good. So, making those decisions and seeing where your decisions lead, and then learning from those. And Miller, I think a, a core tenet of that is being okay with knowing that you're going to make a bad decision. I think, at least me growing up in church, that was always very, like, if I did something wrong, then that was immediately, um, not just a consequence, but like it was shame. Like you were, like you were wrong. You were a horrible person. Um, because you made a bad decision, where I think that, I mean, Josh even alludes to it this morning, you know, and instead of telling his son, you know, I knew you were going to do that, say, well, let's talk about that choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where wisdom comes in, is the ability to be okay with your failings so that you can move forward into wisdom. statement your friend your best friend should be the ones that you go to church with is an interpretation of the wisdom that is like surround yourself with good people mm-hmm. who enrich you and grow you and you know for for someone that might be well naturally this is where you would find them and so that's what then you tell you know your kids right yeah. and so um, understanding that like the statements that are made often are an interpretation of, of a wise statement just in itself, which I think is interesting. So I kind of would like to open it up of what what advice did your parents tell you that like maybe wasn't 100% correct, but did have some of the foundational importance that you didn't realize until after the fact? Or what are some like some nuggets of truth that uh, would be a very proverb that your parents provided you? 
think one thing that I really thankful for that my parents taught me was they just kind of had, there was always this kind of theme in my family of you should be the person who's willing to, if you see a problem, you should be the person who's willing to step up and do something about it. Um, and I think that into my adulthood, I've had to learn that I can't always be the person that does something about it, nor should I be, because there are sometimes people who are better but to do things that I am not good at. But I think the underlying idea of like being compassionate and willing to serve and help people is a really good thing. Um, so it's just trying to like separate what you want to take from that. For those that are parents in the, do you feel like when you impart wisdom upon your children, in the back of your head, are you thinking this is 100% true? Or is this, I hope they glean what I'm trying to say behind it? Like, I'm looking specifically at the settles here. You know? <laughs> well, our kids make fun of me because anytime you ask me a question, I'll say, well, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> there's always that kind of caveat in the back of everything I say. It's like, almost everything you're going to find yourself, you're going to have to impart judgment in the situation. Like, is it best to always surround yourself with people who are good examples for you? Well, there are times where you actually need to go find people who yeah. are are not that way. So you can't look at one person and say, that's the person who's my best friend without using some level of judgment. Well, I definitely think, like, I have said things to, because like, we have 13 and 16, so, and, and boy and girl, so that's different too, but um, I've, I've said things and I've thought, you know, this is going to have an expiration date, right? Because, like, <laughs> like, where they are yeah. in, in their development, who they're with, the situations, you know, it's like, okay, now you be kind to everyone. Okay, well, now we're kind of at a point, and it's like, what is that not true? It still is true. But there's definitely, it's like now we gotta talk about boundaries and you know, it's like, okay, now we gotta keep the bad out. Okay, but not to the point that you are going to, you know, keep yourself from being able to be a light. And it's, it's just a whole, it's a whole thing. But it's like definitely when they were younger, for sure, they were like, okay, this is the thing. You take it and run with it, knowing in the back of my head, this isn't gonna last because you just can't, you just can't parent that way. And I think that's what's so true about all of this is, yeah, it depends, and it's true. And I was like, really? It's like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's, so it's kind of like, and now you're sort of maturing a little bit to a point because it was like, okay, my parents are telling me this for sure, good, good deal, you know, and it's like, no, and we won't even know everything either, and then, you know, so, yeah. I like that phrase that wisdom can have an expiration date. like. Because it, it and it has to be continually relooked at yes. and go and dis yes. discerned of what's true in this moment. I definitely think like love God, love your neighbor, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. as you were asking, like how do you find <laughs> you know the the anchor? And it, and 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 even then, I know sometimes it's like, well, I don't know exactly how that's going to work for this person or in this situation. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's what for me anyway. Where it's like when we're dealing with something and they're not sure, and I'm not sure. You know, it's like, okay, all right, well, love God, love your neighbor. How does that look? And that—that that is where you will find the wise thing to do. Yeah. Well, that's powerful because 
and we talked about like in the first couple classes like the example you know beginning of what does it say knowledge it's in the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge right and so this idea of like who sets the standard for wisdom like it's Yahweh and it's Jesus and Jesus like when he when they ask him about the law he sums it up, and he's like, love your God, love the neighbor, You're right, right, as yourself, which is what Josh just said out there, right? Um, and so I'm curious, like, when we keep saying it depends, right? So there's this, like, wisdom is circumstantial. How do you, how do you know when to apply the right wisdom to the right context, right? So how do, like, when boots hit the ground, I'm trying to make a decision, like, how do we then go about that? Well, something that it might sound trivial, but something that always comes to mind is there's this trend in sports right now where a lot of people are like very analytic heavy. And you see this in the NBA where it's like, okay, if we plug this three-point shooter in, if we plug Steph Curry in, he shoots this percentage, we're going to win X amount of games. So we're gonna build our whole roster based just purely on analytics. It's like, yeah, to an extent, those are all factual. Like Curry shoots, I don't know, 70, 80% beyond the arc. Okay, great. But how is that going to look when he's matching up against someone who's a really good defender? How's that going to look game by game, right? That's, that's what always comes to mind because you can have all these facts, but how do you synthesize them? And each situ situation is going to look different, right? That, that's something that... It actually drives me insane because, like, I don't know if you can actually build a team just on analytics because it's just going to vary from situation to situation. I would say through the course of life, I've learned that there's always something about a situation that you don't know. The wisdom that you've heard spoken through your parents and other people that are trusted advisors kind of gives you the guardrails that bump you along. But at the end of the day, it's prayer mm -hmm. um, because... God sees all, right? And he will give you the wisdom and the discernment in the moment that you need it. So that, you know, you say, look, you're one done, not mine. Like, help me understand how I'll fulfill that. And I think that's the ultimate for me, just knowing that I don't have to know because somebody else does. And a lot of that is also just kind of listening and, and to your conversation, like, like listening to your gut. Yeah. Like, if you're doing something and it feels awful, can't place why there might be something to that mm. and you know call it you know call your intuition your God the Holy Spirit you know whatever it's amazing how many times like I'll go into something for some reason it just feels wrong and I'm like but there's nothing that I know to hang that on and then after the fact I'm like okay I, I get it now and a lot of talking going back to talking to your kids is kind of giving them I guess permission to trust that to a certain degree a lot of times I think they get more than we think they do, but they just don't know how to qualify it. And there's there's something to that, especially when you know you get to be teenagers going, I don't feel like I should be at this party and I don't know why. Like, well, call mom and dad and go home. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and 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 that's a cool I like that idea. I, I love both of those. And there's like your gut probably becomes the more that you spend time with the Lord and with Jesus like in communities uh, of people that love Jesus and also kind of like Josh was saying getting away and learning how to love yourself 
so that you can love others. Like the more that you spend time, the more that your person is going to be formed towards Christ. So your gut is going to be more reliable the more that you invest in like this thing that we call faith, um, which is kind of cool. I mean, yeah, that's that's it. Well, no, and just riffing off what you were saying, the all of the New Testament letters, it's like. I always have friends that, growing up, I always heard, well, I want to be like the church in Corinth. I want to be like the church in Ephesus. Well, it's like, I don't know if I want to be like the church in Corinth because there were some dudes there, like, cheating on their wives with their mother-in-law. But that's, you know, but that's what was really going on in Corinth. And each one of those letters, it's, you actually see wisdom trying, like, embodying itself within each church. And it's, it's local, like it's all local. Not e- like not every church was following a specific set pattern on how to deal with these sorts of issues. But when Paul was writing to Corinth, there was a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. Some of them literally grew up not eating certain things. Some of them grew up eating, you know, pork, not pork. And so Paul had to deal with those issues um, on a case by case basis. And I think that's beautiful. The beautiful thing about Scripture is you see the messiness, you see the struggle, you see the chaos, but it's all undergirded, right? It's all underpinned by faith in Christ and, and God. But it's never black and white, right? It's it's always going to um, take some take some prayer, like you said, and um, and tough times to reveal for wisdom to reveal itself. I don't think you can I thought it's not wise to live your life by a flow chart. And I think that's kind of what you were talking about with the basketball analogy of that, mm-hmm. like, you can't input a decision into a decision maker and they go, if yeah, this and that, and, you know, like that's not, that may work once, but it's probably not going to work over and over again. Um, it, it's, that's, what was that? No wisdom GPT. No, there, yeah, there's no wisdom GPT. <laughs> no, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it, that's almost as good as you using your, you know, some of y'all may not remember, but the magic eight ball. I mean, like, you know, that would tell you what to do next. The magic conch? Yeah. The SpongeBob? Yeah. <laughs> that's for people who don't. Okay. That, yeah. that's, that's, yeah. I'm above that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, I, I hope you know what you're talking about. Um, they know. So, <laughs> so the, but as we look into wisdom, and we, we see this, you know, personified lady here who is who is telling us some pretty, you know, I won't say vindictive, but it seems really harsh things of, like, you're going to get what you deserve if you don't follow wisdom. Like, you're going to get, it. it's a, I, I guess I've just, I really was pushing up against some of uh, her actions towards the end of, like, I understand because of my my humanity is very much that way. My humanity is very much of, ha ha ha! You didn't do what I what I recommended for you to do. You're going to get what you owe, you know. But that's not what we're called to, and yet that's what wisdom is saying. You no, know, like you're you're going to reach calamity if you don't follow wisdom. Um, and we'll, so yeah. we'll read just those verses so that we are all kind of on the same yeah. page. It's we're in Proverbs one, and it's starting in verse twenty. Uh, Lady Wisdom cries out in the street. In the square, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. 
How long, a simple ones, will you love being simple? How long, will scoffers, uh, how long will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? Give heed to my reproof. I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called, and you refused. You stretched out my hand, er, because I called, and you refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no one heeded. And because you have ignored my counsel, and would have none of my reproof, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when panic strikes you. When panic strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of Yahweh. What if none of my counsel, uh, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof? Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way, and be sated with their own devices. For waywardness kills the simple, and complacency of fools destroys them. But those who listen to me will be secure, and will live at ease without dread of disaster. I, so, I just noticed this the other day, I haven't done a deep dive yet, but in verse 20, um, verse 27, Panic strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. Where have we seen that else in the Old Testament? Job. Yeah. And Job is part of the wisdom books. I'd be curious if the writer had that in mind. Um, because you have the wind strike Job's home, and then you have God showing up in the form of a, of a cloud or a tempest to Job, uh, confronting Job. And Job had to live that reality, right? Of losing his family and then being tortured and then having this back and forth, this sort of dance with God. That just came to mind. And that's a real like, example of someone dealing with uh, wisdom and suffering. I also thought of in the Old Testament, I mean, in the New Testament, um, let's see. When he talks about when she talks about being simple, mm. how long those simple ones will you love being simple? And I think of when I think it's Paul talks about uh, staying on milk instead of moving to meat, mm. like just yeah. that that simple um, that simple faith. And so that that's that was another kind of thought I had. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between being naive and then choosing to be naive, mm. right? Yeah, so there's, again, this goes back to this dilemma of wisdom having a moral and ethical component to it, right? It's not just facts and knowledge, but almost a responsibility of you knowing between good and bad and, and, and applying wisdom. It seems like the idea, though, is kind of like not... It's not that if you're not wise, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. It's that if you have the wisdom or you have the opportunity to have the wisdom and you choose not to, then that's what's not okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like you have that gut and you ignore it or you, you know, or you, I would even say you have the gut but then you want to blame someone else or you say, well, they told me to do this, you know. Because I think that's what she's really saying. Like when you, if you're around friends and they're saying, let's go out for blood, you know, <laughs> Like, you have you ever encountered that, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. not oh necessarily. But there was one time as a kid, and this is one of my like one of like I, 
overall, I was a really good kid. But there was this one time where this neighbor convinced me to try to throw a rock under a car as it was driving by. I am not a sports person, and so my throw was not good, and it hit the car. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I got in trouble. Did so you draw blood? There was no blood, okay, okay. but uh, I, I, I felt like I should have drawn blood, you know. You felt like you should have been swallowed up by shale. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Were there consequences to this action? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, the, uh, well, I, my grandmother was babysitting me, so it was at my grandmother's house, so that was something that worse, was the grandmother had to deal with the angry person driving the car. Um, <laughs> And then I had to deal with my parents, so it was a, it was a one-two punch. But know. now you know when you see a car pass, you don't throw rocks. I know, okay. you're 100 percent. Wisdom, wisdom okay. is very strong. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what I well, I think what we're getting to right is like wisdom is wisdom is personified in this passage, but that I think it's still fairly neutral in the way that it's portrayed. And so like God gives me the free will to choose or to not choose, like the way of like the righteous or the way of the wicked and I think what's kind of being laid out is that like God will honor my choice and I will reap the consequences of my actions often and so that doesn't mean that God doesn't care and that he doesn't want to intervene in my life right so like there are still forces I think that are trying to pull us into the way of the righteous right um However, at the end of the day, we do have, you know, um, because we do have the choice to hate knowledge, to not choose the fear of Yahweh, right? Mm -hmm. To not have his counsel, to despise his reproof. Um, so I, I think that's kind of, when I read that, that's kind of what I think. Um, and that doesn't mean it's not frustrating at times, right? But that's kind of where my head goes. I, at least my experience with wisdom is there are times where you will immediately feel the oh I made the right choice and there's other times where you're going to feel very lonely uh, because you made a choice based on the wisdom right or wrong like sometimes that can be a lonely choice and a hard choice I, I think having it personified makes it easy to understand that this is a choice. Is it, you're choosing whether to walk with wisdom or not walk with wisdom. And so I, I feel like that, you know, there have been times in my life where I have made a decision and it was, it had consequences. It was the right decision, but it still had consequences. And that's part of being, dealing with wisdom. It's part of, okay, I made this decision. It was the best decision for me and I still have consequences about it. Mm -hmm. Isn't it kind of weird that in Genesis 2, the only tree that was not supposed to be eaten from was what? Knowledge. Knowledge of good and evil. Like, this is hard stuff. It has consequences, like Carter was saying. Everything has a consequence, you know, good or bad. And that was the only tree from which they were not supposed to, you know, eat. Well, I mean, can you imagine how wonderful it was for them, you know, to know or not know that not know good or evil? Like they yeah. were just living their life without knowing those consequences, without knowing what was good or bad. So. Right. We have two minutes left. 
as if anyone wants to say don't have thoughts comments, or yeah. questions for David Do you ever still get tempted to throw rocks at first? I'm just curious. No. Okay. No. I'm just curious. But I mean, that, that's a silly and that's a silly story. But it was one of those, like, if if I were to have a child, I would tell them that story all the time because <laughs> that was a hundred percent peer pressure. It was a hundred percent me wanting to feel like I fit in with a kid who was in my class who I thought was really cool, and it was uh, it was there was no. There was no, it was like going against my gut. Like I knew that was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, even as a, probably I was third through fifth grader, like even then I knew that that was a stupid thing to do. But yet I put that feeling aside that, you know, yeah. to be, well, it, what's the worst that could happen, you know? Um, and, you know, no damage to the car. He was fine. You know, I mean, it just, there was, it, but it was still like I remember that lesson very strongly. Uh, not the lesson of don't throw cars at uh, rocks at cars, <laughs> but I remember the lesson of that peer pressure is a thing. Like there yeah. is, and it's and it's a, it's still something even in my adulthood. Like I still struggle with peer pressure. I still struggle with wanting to make people happy or wanting to make people feel like I'm on their side. Right. And sometimes you have to say, you know, this is the side I'm going to be on. I feel like a lot of it all goes back to making those bad decisions. Like everyone has to make a bad decision at some point. Um, you know, the, everyone in this room, you ever say, oh, I'm going to throw a rock at the car. Everyone's like, that's a bad idea. Because every single one of us has thought, oh, it'd be funny if I did this. It'd be cool if I did that. And we know it's bad because we've all experienced because that's a bad decision. Um, you know, no matter how many times you've been told that's a bad decision, you still have to make it so you know for yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I would, you know, my wife and I don't have kids, but I would say that's probably one of the hardest things I've seen my friends who have kids go through is watching their kids make decisions for themselves and, you know, hoping that they make the best decisions for them, knowing they can't make their kids do anything, you know. They can only guide their kids through stuff. And so sometimes kids have to go through the hard times. Like, I need to get in trouble every once in a while. And also just seizing those moments. I mean, like, this is an opportunity for you to gain something from yeah. this. Because my daughter is very much a all or nothing personality. And when she screws up, like, the world is over. She wants to hang herself up on the cross for it. I'm like, no, don't do that. Like, that isn't helpful. You realize now that, that was not a good choice. How can you project that on the future situations and make a better choice? And, or maybe just not do that exact same yeah. thing again. Right. You know, no one's lining up to, you know, be the first to kick your rear over this. Just, you know, give yourself some grace and learn from it because you have to be able to do that. And for her, it's just so hard to not let herself off the hook, but just, I don't know, self-forgiveness, even though nobody else is upset about it anymore. But yeah, that's a hard thing to impart. When, when I was in culinary school, the, uh, I learned that lesson very well 
uh, not because I did something wrong. Well, I was making cookies, you know, and they were horrible. And uh, the professor came up and said, so do you know what you did wrong? And I said, yeah, I, I mismeasured the butter. And she gave me an A. And I could not comprehend what do you mean I get an A for that? Like, I screwed up. She goes, but you know what you did wrong. And that has been a strong lesson for me of that's the way to better lead than it is to say, so I'm going to punish you for what you did wrong. I'm going to help you remember how, how to do it right. Because, and it's true to this day that all the mistakes I made in culinary school, I have yet to make them again. Like, I mean, I may, one time we were serving uh, a very, I was in catering, serving a very fancy dinner for a former vice president uh, from the state. And uh, my job was to remove all the stickers from all the fruit and I missed one and it mm -hmm. got served to him. And um, <laughs> I was told about that later on and my um, guilty reply was, at least he knew it was organic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at, so, 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 I mean, but you do you remember those mistakes and you learn from them, so. Well, that wraps up today's session. Thank you, David, for sharing your wisdom today. And um, next week, we will hopefully get out of Proverbs 1, I think. Yeah, we will. And uh, move on. We won't be able to cover everything, but um, we'll be able to cover a good chunk this fall. So thank you guys for coming.